yourself, folks. No. I don't want our listeners to listen to that. But I recommend 3-speed. 3x speed. If you can do it. If If you're going to listen to the Alex Jones show, listen to it as fast as possible. And then drink a lot so you forget that it's a thing. Unless you're at work and just cry at your desk. Kind of like the B-movie trailer thing where they say, you know, every time they say speed, up, speeds up. Yeah. So every time he says Benghazi, Every time he says, he says, he says globalist, oh, it man. speeds up. It would be over in a few minutes. Yeah, probably. Now that that's officially recorded. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Let's talk about some Squatch Cron. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Is this... We're going to have to have an episode of this podcast where we just talk about all the podcasts we like. We could do we that can, this episode. We no. could explain no, podcasts. We're talking about airplanes. I mean, we could explain podcasts to somebody else. That's a, true. A podcast, podcast, That would be podcasts. super meta. Do you guys listen to podcasts, podcasts in the shop? About no. having country teaching radio. somebody. Oh, really? One all day, every day. I am so sorry for you. I well, we need to buy like actual speakers and stuff that'll run a phone. If I'm gonna do that, I want to, but I, I just don't like country music. That's why I'm saying I'm. You're sorry. from Texas. Listen. He's here. from West Louisiana. I'm from West. <laughs> no, I'm from Houston. People in Houston like country because they think it makes them Texan. Yeah, you're from Houston, not Austin. Don't forget that. You should I like know. country music. I don't. Sorry. I hate country music with it. Thank you. Flaming Bash. Oh, okay. Depends the on the era of country music. But we're not, I like me some Johnny Cash. I like me some Hank Williams. They're all right. But we're, we're like not Brooks talking about Dunn. country music today. Absolutely Jay, not. Jay is just trying to put off the inevitable. Welcome to the podcast. Guys. Yeah, we're talking about airplanes today. Airplanes. Airplanes. Okay. Jay's really upset because he seemed to forget that like the purpose of this podcast <laughs> is to explain to people your passions and that there was inevitably going to be an episode of something right. Jay didn't like. But I'm ignorant. And he just doesn't want to talk about it. But that's too bad. We're going to talk about yeah. planes today. Right. I, I think for the record we should state that we have two aerospace engineers and one eventually Intern. aerospace engineer and Gabe over here. And Jay does I got, not like airplanes. I've never known a single thing about planes except that I can get in them and then fly. And Porsche yeah. doesn't make any? That is not untrue. Porsche doesn't make planes, but so does Mitsubishi. But Mitsubishi does make planes. I do know that. Mitsubishi used to make planes. Used to make planes. Okay. I, didn't I think they that. still... I think they still make stuff. I think yeah. they make yeah. parts for Boeing. But they made a really cool. weird airplane. The Mitsubishi right. MU-2. It doesn't have ailerons. The Mu-2? Yes. The MU-2. Isn't that a Pokemon? It's a, it, what do you think it's part of the Pokemon? I, but, I mean, that's where they found the inspiration for that Pokemon. But no, it's it's a really cool plane. It was Why is it a really cool plane? Well, it, I mean, it was very popular for being like a your first high-performance twin-turboprop high-wing airplane. With no ailerons. But it doesn't have ailerons, yeah. So I guess if people are listening that don't know what ailerons are, when you look out on the wing of an airplane, the two little flaps that go up and down to give you roll. So your roll left and right, those are okay. ailerons. And planes can come without them? How do you yes. control it? Technically, yes. It has, it has spoilerons. So instead of having ailerons, it has roll spoilers on the top of each of the wings. And it rolls only using those. It does not have ailerons. Okay. Which is fascinating. And I mean, it's like it, a lot of airplanes have roll spoilers to help with roll, especially at slow speeds. I mean, right. any commercial airliner, you'll see the spoilers act as a roll spoiler. But to only have roll spoilers is fascinating. I think it did cause some problems with the plane. Like, there were some safety issues because 
the the dynamics of only having roll spoilers. Right. Is but I mean it's a cool airplane. Yeah, it's uh, not having ailerons causes lots of problems, right? Well, well, I think it, it's, it's unique problems. I should yeah. say lots of problems, you know, of how to control the aircraft in a roll, yep. the roll capacity. So is that why Mitsubishi Eclipse owners like spoilers so much? Because Probably. of the M2? Gabe, Gabe, Gabe. We're not talking this is about airplanes. cars. You're supposed to like I tried, yeah. Jay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, what I don't get about planes is that you can't, you can't drive them, or you can't... You can. You, you can, can be a pilot. You pilot them. You right. You taxi them. But you love planes. I love planes. Do you have a pilot's license? No. Have you ever flown a plane? Yes. Really? I told you about the time I flew a plane. My freshman year of college... Right. You flew a plane? Yeah, we went up to K-State Salina, and we went for a flight. Right. And I got to fly. How did you get to fly if you don't have a license? Well, you have an instructor. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's I mean, how did you learn to drive before you had a license? Illegally. Fair enough. <laughs> but no, if you have an instructor in the right seat, then you can fly. Okay. I was a mere 13 years old, and I got wasted, and I went out to the airfield and stole a, okay, stole yeah. a Cessna Skylane, and, you know, they caught me in Florida. <laughs> Is the Skyline a real plane? I feel like you yes, have to Yes, Skyline is a real plane. <laughs> Don't worry. But no, it, it, for me, it's it's weird. It's it's an interesting point that you bring that up, though, because for me, my love of airplanes has never been about flying them. I did want to be a pilot at one point. Right. I got into airplanes because of Flight Simulator. I'm going to shout out to my dad. I stole a copy of... Microsoft Flight Simulator 1998. Oh, yeah. I, like, found it in a cabinet in our study or something, and I took it up to my bedroom, and I installed it. Oh, I thought I you meant it. from the store. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I took it was 98. He, he had bought it. I don't know why. I don't, I don't remember yeah. him ever playing it, but I, uh, I took it, and I got really into airplanes from that. And for a long time, I, I thought I wanted to fly, but I'm not really that interested in it. I... I think it would be cool, but I, I prefer being a passenger. Well, that and it's not a, like cars. It's not a cheap hobby. Yeah, I mean, cars aren't a cheap hobby either. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Well, like, like cars. It's also it's like the, the nice thing about cars from like a driving experience is yeah. like you can drive anything if you know how to drive yeah, a stick. Right. Yeah, you yeah. know, you can drive a McLaren P1 tomorrow if you happen to know somebody with one. But if you want to fly a plane, you have to go through. Aside from what you did, which is fly with an instructor, you have to go through what is it like three thousand dollars in two years worth of courses? Probably more. Way more than that. That doesn't I help think, your argument. I think right now a, a pilot's license. You're looking at six or seven grand at least on the but, cheap. But the, yeah. I think I think the bare minimum to get like your it's private pilots like 40 is hours. forty hours. So it, honestly, it's not a time constraint. Is the only time constraint is your schedule. Yeah, yeah. And then it's and even then, like the way that piloting works, it's it's almost like leveling up in a video game because you have to unlock the ability to fly other stuff. So like you can get your private pilot's license. And that means you can fly any simple airplane during the daytime. You can fly at night if the conditions are good. You can't fly in bad weather. You can't fly right. um, a twin-engine plane. Like, you couldn't just hop into a twin-engine with just your single-engine pilot, private pilot certificate. Right. You have to get more training to do that and more training to fly on instrument in and bad you gotta weather. you got to pay each time you do right. training. So it's like science. It's not cheap, but that's... I mean, we're we're kind of getting away Only from it. Actually, well, wait, hey, guys, we don't want to get calls from Scientology lawyers. 
Bring it on. <laughs> but, you know, again, like, my love of airplanes... You hear me, Miscavige? <laughs> you hear me? My love of airplanes doesn't have anything to do with flying. I think Your that the airplane in and of itself is what makes it something that I like a lot. And right. what the airplane does for regular Joes like you or me, not pilots. Right. Well, what's interesting, what I know about your uh, infatuation with planes is that you even like commercial jets or commercial... Yes. You were interested in 787s. Yeah. I mean, like, that's... I was really excited to record this episode because I am, like, the perfect candidate for what we're trying to do with this podcast where I'm super passionate. I can talk about this right. all day. But I'm also passionate in, like, a weird way. I don't like fighter jets. I've never really been that interested in them. Part of that is kind of like a, a hippie-esque, I don't like war and I think war planes are bad and I wish we didn't need them. But, like, for me... There's so many aspects to why I like airplanes, and I think the best summary is my favorite airplane. What's your favorite airplane, Goop? F-15, Eagle. Okay, fighter jet. What's your favorite airplane, game? Beach Saggerwing. Okay, that's not, it's a little more romanticized, but it's still, it's more accessible, whereas Goot is like cool, top end, top gun, crazy high performance. I just like it because it goes fast. And it's fast. <laughs> you want to go blows, fast? It blows up terrorists. Yeah, yeah, I can do that. Cool. And it's, it's very versatile in airplanes. Well. And F-15 has one of the greatest aviation-related stories. An Israeli Air Force pilot with an F-15, I think he hit another plane, lost the entire right wing, flew home, landed. How? Mad skills. And some magic. Yeah, <laughs> he flew very fast is how he did it to keep enough lift. From that one wing. The craziest part of that story, though, right. I mean, besides the fact that yeah. he flew in on one wing, it was back in service like six days later or something. I don't remember exactly what. We would have to go look up the story, but wow. this is a legit thing, and they put it back together, and they flew it again not much later. I, I really should have done some prep for this episode on well, my favorite plane. Yeah. For well, a long time, the F-15 had, had the record and still might of never having uh, an airplane shot down. I think it still does. So that that's compared to other fighters who <clears throat> definitely yeah. have. Well, and the well, F-15 in general, too. It's been in service. I bet you the F-22. 40 years. Yeah, that's F-22 like, is probably at some It's like that crazy ship, the, was it the Lusitania, that they based Titanic off of? They thought the Titanic was unsinkable because this other sister ship literally was. You are... Way off. That one really? got sunk. The Titanic, like the Titanic sunk way. in 1912. The Lusitania was okay. sunk in what? It like was 30. It was named something or... else, but there was or no. A, the Lusitania it was World War One, so yeah. it would have been around. The there was a there was a ship that they actually based the Titanic off. It was like a sister sure. ship, and they thought that it was unsinkable because the other ship was. They like hit other ships oh, with it. Was it, it the yeah. Britannic? The Britannic, maybe. Yeah, I think so. I, can't remember. I read it on crafts. It was like fascinating. <laughs> they would actually hit ships with this thing, like as a barge. Yeah. Like as a as a, a battering ram. Battering ram. Yeah. Which that's one of my favorite World War II concept airplanes. Really. I, I'm gonna have a lot of ways. I'm gonna go off on a geeky tangent. Go but for it. At one point in the later stages of World War II. The Air Force was looking for a new idea, and somehow, I don't know how this got past, like, any sanity checks, right. but they were like, okay, ammunition is a problem, we run out of it, we have to take down bombers. So I think it was Curtis, I think Curtis is the one that came up with it, I don't remember what it was called, but they had a concept for this flying wing 
that you flew it laying down like the Wright brothers. Yeah. I think and I the leading this. edges of the wings were like steel or something really strong. And it was not designed to carry armament. It was designed to go and find bombers and dive bomb them and rip off their wings by ramming into them and, and knocking s- off the wings. And still stay flying? That's Oh, yeah. How? By having a really, really strong wing. Yeah, leading edge. Yeah. Jesus Christ. But the only problem, though, is there's no... there. I mean, there's nothing strong enough to stop damage, and the leading edge of the wing is probably... For yeah, the purposes. but I've, I've heard in... I've, I've heard stories of airplanes having their leading edge hammered flat against the front spar by hail and still being able to fly. They're, these are all things, like, these are all... We're, we're touching on little aspects of aviation that makes me like it so much. Right. Because... A lot of it has to do with a lot of why I like airplanes so much is because they are the, like, bleeding edge of technology, and they're even the most basic airplane is an amazing thing. They fly. Right. I mean, that's incredible. And not only do they fly, but, like, why I got into aerospace engineering, I had moments when I was studying it where I'd be like, God, I'm glad I'm an aerospace engineer because aerospace engineers do stupid, crazy stuff, and it's, like, legitimately a plan. I once found a paper, uh, this is getting a little more on the space side, which I think we'll have another episode about. I found a paper where a NASA scientist proposed using lithobraking as a, as a method for landing on planets. Well, if you start to do a little etymology, litho is like earth right. breaking. So the plan was to design a ship that instead of like having parachutes or rocket motors to slow down, it would just hit the surface of the moon and that would slow it down. I think it was actually, if I remember the paper correctly, the plan was to do multiple passes. So you would come in in a really low orbit and you'd like skim the surface and like drag along oh, the surface. I thought you meant like a perpendicular down. just... No, <laughs> yeah. Not just punching in, but... It's like you put a spring on the front that of it. That sounds like a Soviet solution there. Like, Well, that's... The Soviets did that. We just yeah. hit We're space objects. nerding, but they... Uh, at the hut, the Cosmosphere in Hutch... One of my favorite exhibits is this. It's this little metal ball. It looks like a soccer ball. And what the Soviets did, which is like such a Cold War Russian thing to do, to like try to to win the space race, they could shoot a rocket and hit the moon. They couldn't land yet. But they were like, we want it to forever be known that the Soviet Union was the first to hit the moon. So they put this little ball on the top of the rocket, and it was designed so that when it hit, it would break off into these little tokens. And they have, like, you know, CCCP the year. So they shot rockets and they hit the moon, so they were the first. That's what I was going to bring up. I thought they wanted to blow it up. That's the right one. That's Despicable Me I'm thinking of instead. (laughs) But anyways, back to planes. Also a a glorious aviation history. I bet Gabe hasn't seen it. Yeah, Despicable Me probably not. (laughs) Come on. That'll be episode three. (laughs) Episode three of the podcast, explaining movies movies to Gabe. And by that you mean yelling at me for 45 minutes. It's going to be just an hour of us realizing Like, you didn't work when you were a kid. Like, what else are you going to (laughs) do? But anyways, we got totally distracted because I'm excited. My favorite airplane is the Douglas DC-3. Who makes Douglas? What? Douglas makes Douglas. Or where are they from? It was a Californian company, Southern California, Long Beach. But the Douglas DC-3. When's it, when was it made? First flight was 1935. It's a commercial airliner. It's a passenger plane. Okay. Um, and it totally revolutionized aviation because, and it's kind of an interesting story. What ended up happening was uh, 
the TWA president wanted to buy the Boeing 247. And Boeing at the time owned United Airlines. And they said, nope, you can't have any. We're selling the first like 150 units to United because we own them. Huge lawsuit breaks out. Uh, Boeing ended up having to split and that's how United was created. But uh, I think it was, was it Juan Tripp? No, he was Pan Am. Why am I forgetting the guy's name? TWA. I I am not a passenger. I know. I can't. I'm ki- kicking myself. This I'll is figure why we need someone eventually. on a laptop. Like, yeah, I think like Dave is looking it up young right now. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, he went to Douglas. Live fact check. Donald Douglas, um, and said, "I'm pissed off because Boeing won't sell me an airplane. Make me a better one." Uh, so he did, and the Douglas DC three was created. What the DC three did that revolutionized aviation was it was the first passenger airliner that was profitable only carrying passengers. So before this point, the only way you would make money in the airline industry was to do contracted work carrying the mail, carrying cargo. You couldn't just take passengers. And because of that, the passenger tickets were really expensive, so it was a luxury item. Right. I mean, very few people flew. It was only rich and the famous, and it was off-limits. But the DC-3 comes out, suddenly tickets are more affordable. Good timing, too, 1935. It's an amazing design. I mean, it's a revolutionary design in and of itself. Right. But World War II breaks out. Now we need a, a cargo plane. All right. So they convert it to the C-47. They built 14,000 of these things, I think, for the war. Um, and after the war, they went into military surplus and people bought them for cheap. And so for like 10 years or something after World War II, 90% of the world's air traffic was Douglas DC-3s. Huh. So they're everywhere. And they make air travel accessible. And that, at the core of it, is at least what I've realized over the past few years is what I really, really like about aviation. And it's kind of ironic because I work at a business jet company, but aviation connects people. Right. And in the world in amazing is now ways. accessible. Yeah. Um, basically. Not only can like anyone with a decent paying job or enough time to save up the money to fly anywhere in the world, but just simple things like I work in Kansas and my parents live in Texas in Houston. It's like a 12 hour drive. Sure, I can do that. It's not bad. But. I can buy a plane ticket for a few hundred bucks, and in three hours, I'm home. Like, I can get up in the morning, have breakfast, get on a plane, be right. home in time for lunch. And you're really only traveling for an hour of that. Time, right. Right. You're it's, on air for It's just hour. such an that's incredible makes, thing. That's what makes air travel so shitty, though, in my opinion, is all the waiting. Hurry up and wait. But that, I, I feel like that's such a... It's You're not, like looking for the bad. Of course I am. Yeah, you have to wait, but love, it's still faster. I don't want to say that I like the fact that I can wake up and that I can just go watch a movie and that I can be home and I started my day in Arizona. No. Yeah. I, I like driving, but I don't know where I was going with that one. Well, once Lauer Motor Corporation, company, company I'm sorry, yes, um, well, once it becomes corporation, you have five thousand employees and everything. <laughs> you you, you, you won't have to wait at all. Yeah. You'll just walk out the tarmac and get your citation. Once I've got Rick Hendrick's balls in my hand. Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes. 
But it's it, I I just I really like airplanes. I right. think there's just such a there's a romance to them. There's there's something that's been lost. I think we take them for granted nowadays. Most people right. you go to an airport, you hear somebody complaining, "Go off like off the late thirty minutes." It's like it's thirty minutes. Right. Who cares? You're getting on a there's a magical bit about all this. Yeah, you're getting on a magical metal tube and flying thirty five thousand feet in the air at six hundred miles an hour, crossing state borders. In no time at all, and it's it's an incredible thing. Right. What interests me is the fact that you you're into passenger jets and kind of the the or passenger planes and the advances that it brings to society to everyone. Whereas that would be the equivalent of like being really into what the Camry does for people. I don't I think, think so. Though I think it's an interesting parallel between your two hobbies or whatever. Kind of, but like. Even the most basic airplane is still a marvel of technology, in my right. opinion. And that's, you know, from the technical... So, I, But isn't a basic car also marvel technology? A Camry of, and a Corolla can but, still take you 120 miles an hour. I mean, the complexity of a car is, nothing is not even close. But they're not the kept up to the same level of maintenance, either. You know, that's why you have things like whatever governing body makes you check a plane. FAA, FAA that's what I thought. You know, makes you well, maintain a plane to such a stringent standard. But it's literally a different level. Yeah, I think. Right. like it's even a glider even is pretty amazing in the fact that you know it just floats through the air and, and it has no power. The thing about like the airplane in and of itself, yeah. That even even if I like, I say I don't like fighter just It's not that I I dislike. I'm still impressed by them. But like, what I what I really like about it as an engineer or from a technical standpoint is it's such a hard thing to describe but it's like you know if you pick up an object that's really light and kind of big you're like okay it's empty there's nothing in this right but you look at an airplane they're heavy they're full of stuff they're pretty light all things right. considered but like right. there's a certain weight to something like an airplane when you start to peel away the layers and realize what goes into making them work and what i like about airplanes compared to like cars is even the sleekest sexy as supercar you know you still see the suspension you still see the brakes you see all of the stuff that makes it work you pop the hood right. you see the engine but even in high-end supercars there's still like some space in the engine and there's still a decent amount of design or engineering going on that is for show or doesn't have a purpose whereas with right. an airplane they are these streamlined aerodynamic bodies where everything serves a purpose and right. everything especially today has been rooted in amazing technical advancement because the thing about an airplane is you have to consider that a hundred years ago i mean now it's it, it, this isn't as valid as it was when i got into airplanes the hundred year argument yeah. because a hundred years ago <laughs> we were getting pretty advanced with airplanes right. 1917 you're 114 years but yeah it, it was something that and I guess to take a step back when you compare it to a car, yeah, we didn't have cars until like the late, late 1800s, mm -hmm. but we had trains, we had boats, we had uh, um, other ways of moving around, wagons and things like that. And it took us a really long time to get to away from like horse-drawn right. items. Airplanes went from literally, it is impossible to fly to... Your average person 
can just buy a plane ticket for nothing. And even if you want to just say like the experience of flying, right? I mean, you're talking $50 low access to get on an airplane and go and fly. And that's incredible. Right. And even just the ability, like that, that $50 experience, I'm talking about a discovery flight. So a lot of flying schools, you can pay like 50 bucks, you go up for half an hour with an instructor and get to fly. I mean, you're usually doing that in like a Cessna 172. The 172 was introduced in like 42, 45, I think. It was after the war. Yeah. So I think, it was, I, and I think it was after. Or maybe I, 50 something. If, if, if anyone ever listens to this, someone's going to send me hate mail, but I think it was after the Bonanza. It was definitely after the Bonanza. I think Bonanza was Bonanza was in the 30s. Bonanza. No, Bonanza, Bonanza was 40s. It was it was, it was also after the war. Maybe I that's what I'm thinking. And it's been a while since I've like st- I used to have. All if of Gabe stuff. only had something in front of him that had this one tool that had all I think the, human ba- the Bonanza may have been 47. I think that's where I'm getting the number. The Bonanza has been in continuous production since it was introduced. So it's the longest continuous production airplane. Jesus. In history. Its first flight was December 22nd, 1945. Okay, but it was it was introduced in 47. I think the introduction. Um, that's incredible. The uh, Cessna 172 is the most widely produced airplane in history right. by a lot. Wow. It's a insane statistic. Why? Tell me why. Because it's, I mean, it's your... It's cheap. It's, it's an small. airplane. It's The 172 is like the airplane. And it's it's the iconic... When you think airplane, you think 172. Why it compared to something else? Because the flying characteristics of the 172 it's really easy to fly it's really stable the engineering behind it is an extremely simple airplane it's very robust it's very reliable they're just they're fantastic airplanes also just the layout it's a high wing which is inherently stable um, and being a high wing gives you great visibility. You can look down. You can look down at the ground. That makes them really popular. The production numbers are something like uh, 40,000, I think. Yeah, 43,000. But the next most produced airplane was like a Russian fighter from World War II, and it's like 20,000. Hmm. It's crazy. Um, and you compare the price. What it's uh, Yeah, what does a 172 three, cost me? About Today, it's like depends on which model you want. Yeah, right. Pocket change. Whereas the Bonanza, 000. I think, is running close to a million, seven hundred, eight hundred. Yeah, They're pretty expensive. So that's the the problem with airplanes and barrier to entry. Well, there is definitely a barrier to entry, but again, like what I like about airplanes, it's not about flying, it's not about owning, it's about experiencing it, and it's about appreciating the technology for me. It's, right. You know, yeah, I, I'm never going to be able to afford a 172, but I don't want to own a 172. I'm just glad that they're out there. Yeah, you will. The, the price is very high for the 172 today because um, it's kind of an, it's like a catch 22 for, for Cessna. You want, them to last you want them to be reliable you want them to be safe and they are they have that reputation and you want to if you do that you'll sell a lot of them right no to a point to a point yeah right. so you you'll sell 40,000 of these things but, but that means too... there's 40,000 of these things out there so now your biggest competition when you're trying to sell a 172 is yourself is an old 172 right that's why you don't make products too good 
Right. But, but in aviation, in aviation you have to make them yeah. too good. <laughs> and that's those are the planes that I tend to like a lot, or the ones that they broke a barrier and they became something greater than the sum of their parts. Hmm. The 172 is a perfect embodiment of that. This was a simple airplane. It was designed for a specific purpose. It first flew in 55, 1955. The design has changed since then, but not very much. The, the overall, the layout of it, the purpose of it, the function of it has stayed basically the same, and it still does a good job. The DC-3, uh, what makes me like that airplane so much is not only is it still a very good airplane, but like it's still the best airplane at what it does. There's a joke in like the DC-3 community, if you look at the DC-3, there's a saying that's the only replacement for a DC-3 is another DC-3. You can only replace a DC-3 by getting another one. Hmm. And there's a joke that I, I had read at one point about how like when the last B-52 bomber is retired from the US Air Force in 2150 or whatever, that's about to be the next you know, that's going to be the second 100-year-old airplane to fly. Um, but the crew will fly home on a TC-3. And the DC-3, uh, it's still working today. Not just, like, flying today. Right. I mean, they are still being put to work. There's airlines in Canada that use them for bush flying. There's cargo services in the Caribbean that use them for flying. They're still the best at what they do, and that's incredible. Right. It's it's crazy to me to think that you would actually be, you wouldn't clean slate it every ten years like you do a car. That seems almost ludicrous. It's, it's just because there's so much that goes so into, into right. They've taken like a play. software approach to it, where you just kind of keep what is what's the well, but the renovate DC3. instead of there's a whole term for it, yeah, but you keep just uh, updating You're instead of renovating. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, why like there isn't a new Tesla Model S. They just keep on making it better each time. It's also, it's a very software thing. To well, do. but the thing about the plane is that it's already usually pretty good. Like there aren't a lot of kinks to work out. The design's very. But what you're saying, we still we, there's nothing within the last fifty years we haven't learned that would clean slate a DC three. Well, we to a certain extent, but like. I guess what he's saying, what okay, I, pl planes usually fit into a niche market. Yeah. Right. And so in the DC-3's niche market, there's nothing that competes with it as far as a cargo plane is concerned at the moment, right? Wouldn't a King Air? Or is that not? It is same? smaller. It's much smaller. It's okay. smaller than DC-3. And That's the only plane I know. <laughs> <laughs> it, the King Air is If you're is listening, Cessna, that's why I didn't get hired. I mean, it's a legendary aircraft. Right, yeah. like there, and that's I guess that's something that makes aviation interesting is that because of the technology barrier, because of how difficult it is to create a new airplane, and because there are limitations to what is new, you know, an airplane still physics is still physics. Like at the end of the day, you're still designing a plane; it's still going to be doing that function. Um, but it's it's an industry that creates these these keystone moments, these keystone products that dominate the market at what they do. I mean, Cessna tried for years to come up with, I'm sure they've tried for years to come up with a King Air competitor, right. and they never could, so they bought Beechcraft, and now they own the King Air. Well, well, hey, well, <laughs> just okay, for the they, Beechcraft they merged with Beechcraft. No, no, not merged. Textron, Textron bought Beechcraft. Textron bought Beechcraft, but, you know, it's it's... 
And some of that does come down to regulation. I don't want to get into the weeds on this because that's yeah. not that's not why I'm passionate. Well, about we've got two other but, two other aviation people to talk here. Yeah, go so. for it. That's actually that part is interesting to me because at least the businessy part of it I can understand. What do you mean? Well, that they bought. I don't know. I've only been skimming to yeah. listen to what you've been saying. Well, minute. I was what I was going down was that like the difficulty in replacing an airplane like the DC three or the King Air. Right. If you were to take the DC 3s you know, plan, the build plan or the the drawings, and try to produce it as a new airplane today, you wouldn't be able to. No way. It right. it wouldn't meet FAA regulations. Exactly. That's not to say it's a bad airplane or a dangerous airplane, but it's not to the standard of what we have today. And that's why I find DC-3s or King Airs fascinating is because they're not up to the regulations of the day, which are supposed to keep us safe, but they are super, super safe and reliable. Yeah. And they were made, the King Air 50 years ago, designed 50 years ago, and then the DC-3, what, 70 years ago? 80, 80 years ago. 80 yeah. years ago. And, and just to think that that those plans are... St- now, I'm sure a lot of designs died along the way. Oh, yeah. You know, other designs, but uh, the fact that something from that era still survives and is still very useful And I think maybe, awesome. maybe what, kind of, like, what you're saying or what you're getting at is part of what makes aviation stick out to us, especially with an engineering background, is that the engineering and the technology that goes into a lot of these planes, it's so robust and it's yeah. to such a high level that, you know, even the worst product is still a good product exactly it's still a safe exactly. product if it yes exactly unless we're talking works. about joe bob's kit built yeah right well <laughs> yes yes where he forgot to use rivets right <laughs> i just yeah, throw the whole thing together and usually it was good enough oh uh <laughs> going to put I, I believe it was uh uh what what show was it where they had uh oh uh the podcast where they had the lady on about adhesives, and she says the airplanes are held together with nothing but adhesives. Oh, yeah. That is very wrong. Yeah, Don't, that's, that's not surprisingly happening. awesome. That's what it was. Don't believe that lady. There are rivets and fasteners all over that plane. It's not just glued together. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Maybe model planes. Maybe that was what she was talking about. Anyway. Glue on a plane? Well, we do use, we do use sealant, adhesive, glue, glue, hook and loop. Yeah, hook and loop is on airplanes, the whole stuff, Velcro. Oh. But not, it wouldn't be a major structural element. No, like, the, like the wings onto the fuselage. Yeah, well, we, we just get some super the, glue the thing down that's funny about that is, and, and, and again, like when we're talking about like why am I so passionate about airplanes, why do I like airplanes so much, a lot of it is the, you know, you look at, I've compared it to like civil engineering in the past. You know, how do you build a good bridge? There's a lot that goes into it, but usually weight is not a big concern. You can make it really heavy, and your margins of safety are very high. Two x, three x. What I don't, I don't know. I'm not a civil engineer, but I'm guessing. Oh, I, I heard some bridges are like twenty. That's insane. Yeah, absolutely so like twenty, crazy. you make it strong enough to hold twenty times the load you would ever expect it to see. Right. But with an airplane, weight is everything. You will need to be light because more weight means you have to burn more fuel and you can't carry as much stuff. So it's not as efficient from a cost perspective. It's also not as efficient from an operating perspective. Right. So everything on an airplane is designed to be low weight, low cost. 
you know, high safety. So like wings of an airplane. You know, what do you think holds a wing on? Right. On a on a small uh, rivets. Well, rivets, sure, but a lot of them. But like a small airplane, like a Citation, yeah. well, it's like it's, a few bolts. Yeah. Oh. Like six bolts. Like a bolt wings. this wide. Yeah, it's and like a one inch and, and for, Yeah, for the record, I am holding up a one inch, <laughs> yeah, one inch bolt. His, his hand is approximately one inch in diameter. Yes, making well, a one inch diameter hole. All right, so I'm going to turn this entire episode into a rant. Jacob, oh, okay. if, you, if you want the strongest, lightest airplane, why isn't it all made of carbon fiber? Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> Jay is saying this. Is, this is not good for listening. I'm just going to come out and say Jay is saying this because I have ranted about carbon fiber so many times. But. I remember when I was younger, they composites were really just rolling out, and they were like, oh, this is the future, this is the future. And then I get into the field, and I start using it, and everyone's like, we hate composites. They use it on cars all the time. It's three times stronger than Why can't they use it? On an airplane. I don't know why couldn't they use it. Well, do, do you know? Like do you know the process can... that goes into making carbon fiber? It's like fiberglass, basically. Or not? not I'm sorry, not yeah, making it's... the actual carbon fiber itself, but making something out of carbon fiber. Uh, I don't know. You just lay it on there and kind of like glue and it's... some paper and you just slap it all together. The thing is, it's really expensive. Is is yeah. one big part of so it. So are planes. Yeah, but you still have to meet a cost. But the thing is, what what bothers me about carbon fiber is that people tend to act like. It is the end-all, be-all material. But carbon fiber is a good example of a material that was made for a purpose. And when it's used for the purpose that it was made for, it's right. very good. The thing that really kills me is when I see like carbon fiber phone cases. That is a terrible use of carbon fiber. Carbon fiber is not good for impact damage. Yeah. Carbon fiber is really bad for impact damage, actually. Now, if it was a Kevlar phone case, aramid composites, those are pretty good for impact. In fact, you'll actually find if you look at like a flap on an airplane, sometimes the bottom surface of the flap has a few layers of Kevlar hmm. because rocks uh, and if they kick up rocks and stuff off of the runway, that protects the bottom of it. Right. Carbon fiber, I mean, the way it works is you have, I, mean, I guess we don't really need to go into a technical discussion, but we're going to, you've got fibers of carbon that are interwoven into like a blanket and right. they're laid up in layers and glued together. Really, carbon fiber is plastic. When you say carbon fiber, it's actually a carbon fiber reinforced plastic. Um, so if you're loading it along the fibers or bending it with the fibers, great. It's yeah, an excellent awesome. material. But if you, the second you try to pull it against the layers, terrible. Yeah, it's gone. Huh. It just it just delaminates and pulls apart. So it's it's not an end all be all solution. What's better to use then? It depends, it depends on, on your use. use. Yeah, with the nose. The nose. nose. Well, most noses probably of airplanes plastic. is probably plastic because there's a radar under it, so it's probably fiberglass or Kevlar. Yeah. Okay. Wings. Uh, it depends on the airplane and what you're trying to do. A composite wing is usually a good starting point, but it's very expensive. Aluminum yeah. works really well. Okay. And much easier to do. It's easier to build. I can't hear what you're whispering anymore. Well, I was, was going to tell you to ask about a fairing. <laughs> a What's fairing? a fairing? Fairings are usually composite, or are largely composite because of the complex shapes, but they're not necessarily structural. So, And we're getting into the, the I mean, this the is not, not meant to be a, I, a discussion of let's quiz the like turn the, engineer. Yeah, I would like to turn, you, you. yeah, if anyone ever listens to this, they can comment on this podcast and ask us any question they'd like about airports. Yeah, we can, we can talk about engineering. Well, yeah, oh man, well we do it every day. 
day at work. <laughs> yeah. uh, for anyone who doesn't know, which is probably all of you listening, Jacob and I sit very close together at work. Uh, yes. Not side by side, but uh, we're proximity. Uh, just so, just enough that I can creepily look over his cube wall, which he does yeah. all the time. Yeah, I do it all the time, just just to show him his yeah. boss. But uh, <laughs> I, I would like to turn the discussion to our good friend Gabe here, and I've got a question for Gabe because I started interning with Gabe out at Beach, and he was a mechanical engineering degree four or five years ago. Now. Yeah, something like that. So many, all the years ago, and I I want to know why you decided to change to Arrow. That's a really good question. Um... You know, the thing that I guess made me kind of become interested in engineering in a generic way was just fascination with airplanes and kind of the, the sort of magic behind them of having something, you know, a metal tube with wings that just can float in the sky. So that's really what drew me to them into, I guess, engineering quite a bit. And then cars kind of developed along with that at the same time. And I felt like... I guess at the time that I switched that if I was going to study a branch of engineering, I would be more interested in something like aerospace because I'll get to learn more about kind of the nuances that led to things like planes flying um, and also kind of into spacecraft too. That was an interest of mine. And because the best aerospace engineering majors end up running car companies anyway. Al Mulally, KU graduate. We went to the same school. Yeah. Sure. That that <laughs> that too. But That's, I know had, a lot of drug addicts who went to private schools. And he had one of my favorite. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for that, Jake. I, oh yeah, we have one here with us. Right. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, Gabe. Why <laughs> such a drug I was lucky enough to hear Alan what they teach you in the IB program uh, at KU a few years ago, and he had a great story that that kind of likes you know. When you're, you want to compare airplanes to cars, of course. he had a pretty funny thing that he talked about, um, and I'm going to butcher this, but he was talking about when he went to Ford. So, you know, he was a, for those that are listening and don't know who Alan Mulally is, he was, I think, VP of commercial jets at Boeing, something like that. Um, we don't need to look that up. He was, he was a high-level manager at Boeing. He worked his way up uh, at that company. Um, had been talked about being next in line for CEO, got passed over it for whatever reason. I'm not, I have no idea what the background is there, but he was lucky enough to be offered the CEO position at Ford. So he became Ford CEO for many years. Um, but he's an aerospace engineer. He has right. a degree in aerospace engineering from the University of Kansas, Rockstock Jayhawk. But uh, he told a story about when he got the position at Ford, he was doing a press conference and some press person was like, Mr. Mullally, cars have 100,000 parts. Like, are you sure you can handle this? And he's like, I led the Boeing 777 program. It has millions of parts. I think I can handle a car. And probably to a much higher degree of quality. It's pretty funny that, like, you know, it's... It's that we were talking about a little bit ago was that, you know, you say, well, cars are this amazing thing and a, a feat of technology, but it's just, yeah. it's not in the same league. I mean, that's like but, saying... Which is a good thing and a bad thing, though, because you can't repair a plane in your backyard without a lot of highly yeah. specialized knowledge, right? right Whereas a right. car, you can. But, uh, but yes, the, that's the fact that the plane has so many more parts. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a lot of, like... You can't buy a beater plane. No. I think that for me, a lot of my my passion or my interest in airplanes comes from right. just this this. To this day, I'm in awe at 
what these machines can do and how we right. put them together. And, but and you don't have a build. desire to go up in the sky with them. As a passenger, I do. But I really like a, traveling by but air. But not as a pilot. No, I, it, it's... I don't really know. It's hard to, to describe, but it's... I enjoy the experience of being in the air. I enjoy what traveling by air does for me a lot. I enjoy right. that quick travel. But it's also just a very relaxing thing. And being the pilot wouldn't be relaxing for me. Just the, It's just my personality. Given a certain level of fuck you money, would you own a plane? No. Well, okay, if I had enough money, I would probably own a private a jet. A chartered jet. Yeah, yeah, but somebody would fly it huh. for me. See, I, I find that interesting because this, the whole last week we spent dissecting the fact that you can uh, you can appreciate a car like a piece of art and you can also appreciate it for its tangible features. Right. But it doesn't transfer over to planes. I think that's there's something interesting about that. You're not interested in the actual inputs you put I think into it. it. It's, I think a lot of it is is just the, the level of stress involved in flying an airplane because it is, it's a difficult thing to do. I have right. a lot of respect for well, that. It's a difficult thing to do, but I think the experience between passenger pilot can be very similar as well. Because once right. you have learned, it's more like you've got to go through a bunch of stuff to fly a Cessna Citation jet. And once you're able to do that, it might not be so stressful for you to fly it. But the experience is going to be very similar yeah. to a passenger because the plane can usually, if it's a good stable plane, it can right. fly itself almost. But what about like a what a one seven three, one seventy two, one seven two? I mean that seems yeah. like a lot more simple than a than a actual jet. Well, sure. It, that plane, well, that particular plane is very stable as well, and probably for a okay. long time you wouldn't even need to touch the yoke in a calm, in calm sky situation. And I think part of that. The fuck is a yoke? Uh, steering wheel for steering a plane. For <laughs> okay, I only know it as the rear end of a car and the part of an egg. And no, it's not spelled that way. It's spelled the car way. Y o k e. Okay. Um, no, I think part of it too, I think a little bit of the discrepancy is like, you know, the cars that I dream about driving, I can drive. Like right, the planes exactly. that I would dream about flying are like would take, it's gonna take thousands, take of, thousands hours. of hours to be able to yeah. fly regularly. And right. it's just not, that's not my, and I think that a lot of my interest in airplanes is from the technical side, from the engineering side. I, mean, I have a degree in aerospace engineering for a reason. I'm fascinated by the technology. I'm fascinated by how they work. I'm not necessarily that interested in their operation beyond what is needed professionally. That being said, I mean, you do bring a good point that a lot of how I got into airplanes was playing flight simulator. I flew flight simulator right. thousands of too. hours. But... Oh, I've got a question for you, Jay. Go As for the it. person is not an airplane person in here, where do you think they put the fuel on airplanes? In the bottom. No. In the bottom. <laughs> define, define bottom. Like uh, the tail or the underside? Well, that's where they put the cargo, though, isn't it? Is in the bottom, right? The bottom of the fuselage. There are, the there fuel are goes in the top, doesn't fuel it? Tanks. It goes in the wings. The wings? Yes. It's funny that you say what happens? the tail. The 737 actually does have fuel tanks in the horizontal staff. What happens when, the, really? what happens when you use it. up the fuel oh. in the wings, though? Isn't that kind of like... Fuck what? with your... Well, that's even better yeah, because... No, because it needs to be... You'll be lighter, actually, because you want to... Your, your center so. of right. gravity is... So, like, the rule of thumb 
for aerodynamic center of a wing, so the center of lift on a wing right. is about 25%. We're cord. really getting the weeds. Yeah, now we're, we're getting about a quarter of the way back on the wing. Please, please see our webpage for diagram. We're assuming our listeners are at least well, semi not retarded. The, the, you want the center of, of the balance of the airplane to be near-ish to the center of the airplane, a little okay. bit back on the wing. So you want a lot of the weight to be around the wing. So right. and, and and that's also why if you get motion sickness you should sit on about on the wing is because yeah. the CG is right there and you won't get uh, moved around moved as around as much yeah right so that's why the noise is there right depends noise on the air probably yeah, by the engines the I only fly on what was it? I fly on what are they seven three sevens the Southwest flies yeah. Gulfstream G five G five. Yeah, for as much G5 as it's no like more old and cheap now. No yeah. more frequent flyer bitch miles from a boy. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the noise is aerodynamic noise too. Yeah. Okay. I mean, just going the act of traveling through the air makes it six hundred miles an hour. Right. Yeah. Which yeah, it sounds so dumb that I was bitching about that on my on my first flight in years that it was noisy, but. What does Delta fly? I've flown one of those recently. Lots of things. Yeah, they fly lots of things. They have a big fleet. I couldn't tell you. It was dark when I flew on it. How many seats were in each row? Like, how was the seating arranged? Was it three and three? Was it two and two? Was it two and three? That's a good one. Uh, I think it was two on my side and three on the other. You were on an MD-80. Okay, who makes MD-80? McDonnell Douglas. Okay. So well, now they, they got bought out by Boeing. So I think Delta still has some. They're Mad Dogs is the nickname. Delta still has some MD-80s. Right. I think you would have been on an actual MD-80. When Boeing bought McDonnell Douglas, they made the Boeing 717, which was an upgraded version. Okay. Is that a good one? It felt good. It was really quiet. They're old. <laughs> it was really stable. It was nice. probably quiet because the engines are in the back. Yeah. But I was like, by the back. wing again. I keep on getting by the wing. That's all the, the best time. place. That's where you want to sit if you get motion sickness. I always like If you want to get right. out of the plane quickly, you want to sit in first class. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to survive a hard landing, you want to sit by the wing. Yes, yeah. that too. Yeah, that as well. But I didn't I, plan for any of those things. I always like sitting. And I sitting, can't afford first class. I always like sitting behind the wing because on landing, you have the flaps. Oh, down yeah, that's always so much fun. What, what always fascinated me was when the spoilers go up, you yeah. can actually see all of the actuators. Yeah, I like looking the at the wing when I'm on the plane. That's yeah. that's something. What about the back? I had to sit in the back when I went to LA, and I what felt like that sucked. Yeah, there's a lot of movement back there because crying where the babies, tail is. Yeah. people going to the bathroom. If you ever notice whenever you go to the bathroom, it's like all of a sudden the flight is bumpy. Well, that's because you're farther away from the CG. Oh. Yeah. I haven't gravity. joined the Pile High Club yet, but I. Oh. Um, you have not traveled enough, sir. <laughs> Eventually, we yeah. all do. We For those that aren't aware, the Pile High Club is the group of people who've taken a shit in the sky. So, yes. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah. I was it? Hopefully in the lavatory, not in the seat. I, <laughs> <laughs> it gets bumpy. Um, no, when I flew, when I flew in the back, I was next to two people that were just taking selfies the whole time. Oh yeah, that happens a lot on airplanes. Yeah, and so when it happens in front of me, I try, like, try to they hats, They were just taking constant Snapchats. I'm the kind of air traveler that I, I get my window seat. Yeah, and I, I made sure I got a window seat. And I stare out the window, and I I'll usually for watch three a movie hours or something. But That's okay. See, I take I, off and landing. I'm looking out the window. I used to do window seats, man, but 
I uh, did it so much. I'm like, man, when I need to go to the bathroom, I really like the convenience. Of getting <laughs> That's why you're, but you're only. So you're only on a plane for the most part for like three hours tops because we're in the middle of the country. Like you're not taking but a six-hour flight. There's, there's just. I'm I never sorry, have to be there, on a plane. There are no experiences like my favorite experiences when flying is when you've got like an early morning flight. The best ones. Never did that. Early morning flight. Weather is just shitty. It's raining, it's cloudy, it's dark. You get on the plane, 10 minutes later you break through the clouds and all you see is a sea of white, the sun's coming up, blue sky above. Right. You just can't beat that. I think you could. I enjoy riding in a car when the weather is shitty and knowing someone else is driving. Something about that is really, really soothing to me. But it's, I mean, it's... Flying is such an escape. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, you, you literally get above everything. And, and when you travel by air, at least in my, my experience and my opinion, right. you know, no matter what's going on with my life at the time, the, the like two hours... Like, you I have to be there. Yeah, I agree I'm with like, that. I'm like, I'm on yeah. a plane. I'm in the air. I'm experiencing something that, again, back to my point of like a hundred years ago, right. I mean, people thought this was literally impossible, that we would never be able literally. to do it. Doesn't that transfer over to car travel, though, in some respects? No, because... Because when I get in the car, I'm also escaping. If I'm on a sure. road trip, I'm three hours where I have to do nothing. But unless you go through a certain part of the country, you're probably going to have cell service. That, that's what I like about it, is I'm completely oh, disconnected sure. from yeah. everything. Like, I have to be there in the moment, listening to music and looking out the window, because there's nothing else to do. Hey, does Unless you want to pay for now. Unless you want to pay for yeah, don't you but work the, on it planes? Sucks. Let know, me I tell think, you, it sucks. It's not. Yeah. And I think part of it, too, is just it's such a different experience. Like, sure, yeah. you take a car, right. you take a long road trip, you escape, but, right. like, it's something you do every day. And there are people that fly a lot. Right, it's often. a special occasion. I, I get what you mean. I, I do. I really enjoy uh, flight travel. I just hate to admit that I do. <laughs> so, so you're, like, a secret airplane lover. Gabe, do you like flight travel? I, I've only traveled commercially on two different trips, so. Oh man, uh, I can't Dave, even we just need to book it. We just need to book a ticket to go to Denver or something. <laughs> this could be so you can go. Episode four podcast from a plane. My brother is a pilot. That would be fun. That would be so. Hey, whenever he has to give more hours, I mean, we could be yeah. the first probably. I think Joe Rogan's only done podcasts from cars. Like we could do it. On Wait, there was there was a guy on Found on Wondery. The Wondery uh, found podcast uh, where he uh, they found a list of things to do okay. before dying that someone had written, and uh, uh, one of them was play drums on the plane. And so they did part of the podcast. Well, uh, right. oh, who is it? There's some saxophone player. Why Kenny am I blanking on his name? I think it is. Yeah, Kenny G. He has <laughs> he has the record. Yeah, player. no, it is. He has the record for the longest held note. Yeah. With a saxophone, he wants to at least as of a year ago. He wanted to break his own record. His record is like forty-five minutes. He wanted to do like six hours and do it on a cross-country flight. Yeah. And I was I was looking this up and I was thinking, man, how much would it suck if you got on that plane oh. and you didn't know that this was gonna happen? <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're sitting next to Kenny G oh. and he pulls out a saxophone and holds a single note yeah. for the entire flight. I would prefer every seat around have, me is. Crying babies. Yeah, crying babies. <laughs> Please. Please. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Off topic, you know why he can do that? It's because he's mastered what's called circular, circular breathing. breathing. Yeah. yeah. 
Nice try. Jake was like, I finally have my moment on this yeah. episode to like show how smart I am. <laughs> <laughs> and both the engineers <laughs> knew the answer. This is bullshit. Yeah. I went through band for this. This is... <laughs> Well, we're, we're getting to the point of having to wrap it up. So even though I think we sort of all just kind of gushed over airplanes, yeah. how do you feel now, Jay? Do you understand the... Yeah, I, I understand more. It's still confusing because it's so different than cars. That's the only thing I have to go off of. But, I mean, I, I think I feel just as lukewarm as I did before, really. I enjoy planes. Of course I do. The exact thing you're talking about, where I get to wake up and eat breakfast and go there and sit for 30 minutes and then get on the plane and all of a sudden I'm in California. But, like, I'm not emotionally attached to them. I think sure. we just did the same thing we did with Goot last week because I don't think he gives a shit more about cars. Yeah, than I don't. Ever. I don't, but... Uh, it's an unsuccessful podcast, but man, is it fun to Yeah, we're, we're bad at what we're trying to do, <laughs> but I like talking about well, it. Well, I, I, I hope Jake gets... It, uh, you know, we're never going to make somebody in an so, hour be like, man, I love cars. Yeah. Right? It's going to be, do you at least appreciate our passion for these things? Of course And they understand are. it better now. before this podcast. Right? That's the problem. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, you just ruined that last whole hour we recorded. That's fine. Jake. They have to get all the way <laughs> an hour through to figure it out. Yeah. yeah. Listen well, to this for an hour just for Jay to be like, well, yeah, I kind of like planes. Yeah. This <laughs> podcast brought to you by Audible. <laughs> We, we need to set that up. We do need to set that up. <laughs> Audible and uh, Lauer Motor Company. Yeah, this podcast is also brought to you by Lauer Motor Company, the undealer. Call the- us at 620-584-2096. Also brought to you by Hawker Cessna Beechcraft, Textron Aviation. No, this is salaries. not sponsored by them. <laughs> no, it was not. And by paying the salaries, I would, I would like to not get fired by... None of these things that we have uh, mentioned or I, said in this... In this podcast, represent the year. What's wrong with yeah. that? Of our employer. <laughs> I must have said things yeah, I these, shouldn't have These before. are our own opinions. Yes. Yeah. Shouldn't have gone off on all those Orientals. <laughs> <laughs> all those Orientals. <laughs> we should, we should uh, referencing a regular car reviews joke before somebody gets mad at us for being racist. Yeah. Too late. My power. <laughs> <laughs>